So Paul, he's in Athens. He goes to Corinth. He meets Priscilla and Aquila. He trains them for a while. Then he's like, okay, let's leave. And then he ditches them in Ephesus. He goes, um, goes back. And then he's like, I'm going to go, um, go again. I'm going to go all back to the places that I was, um, that I was at. And the f- like one of the first places that I'm going to get to is Ephesus. Um, and he baptizes um, people in the Holy Spirit who've never heard of the Holy Spirit um, and, um, and, and teaches, um, teaches them what that means. And so, um, yeah, let's stand and pray that God would teach us because that's, that's what we're going to do. Like, if I keep speaking and um, if you only hear my words, then you're not going to learn anything because I have nothing good to say. So... Jesus, um, I pray that you would speak to us tonight, that you would speak through me, um, that you would be the one who, who gives um, wisdom and understanding. Um, I pray that uh, you would speak to each and every person tonight. Uh, thank you, Lord, that there, um, there is wisdom that you have given um, to each and every one of us. And as we spend time in our discussion groups, listening um, and asking good questions, that, that we would really hear the wisdom that you've given. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so tonight we're going to be continuing on, like right from where we left off, uh, which is Acts 19, verse 8. So I like having other people read. So if someone can read Acts 19, verse 8 through 12, raise your hand and we'll do it. 8 through 12. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly hmm, maligned the way, publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Does someone else want to read with a different translation? I'll let Jessica go. Sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) What am I reading? Okay, oh, oh, we're just reading the same thing over. Okay, 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 sounds good. Okay, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. And when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Um, this continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the s- evil spirits came out of them. So, um, just like briefly summarizing it, Paul does his usual thing. He goes to the synagogue, and he teaches um, he's speaking to the Jews. The synagogue is like the Jewish church um, where 
Jews gathered and they read the word together and um, learned stuff. So that's what Paul was doing. Um, those people became hardened. They were disobedient. They were speaking evil of the way. Um, and then Paul is like, I don't want to talk to you guys. I'm going to leave. Um, and so he, he takes the disciples and he goes um, to this school of Tyrannus. Um, and he was there for two years, and God was performing these extraordinary miracles, you know, these, like, really wild things um, where, you know, these things that Paul was touching, like, heal people and cast out demons. And the result of all of that is that all of Asia Minor heard the word of the Lord. That's a big deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's a really big deal. Like, Jews and Greeks. It's... and. I think we, like, I don't know, does anyone want to take a guess for how many people were in Asia Minor during that, that time? How many did you guess? Five million. Five million. Oh, man. That was the number that I wrote down as an estimate. So I was doing some research. So Zach got it on the head. So. I was expecting it to be like 100,000. Oh, no. So Asia Minor is like the area of Turkey, modern day Turkey. So, right, but it was also, like, the Roman Empire and all that, so it's fun. Um, but that's a really big deal, right? Like, how, like, this question of, like, how did Paul do that? He must have, he couldn't have spoken to all of those two million people himself, and it certainly doesn't say that he, he went and spoke to all of those people. And so I think what we see is a demonstration of, this like multiplying disciples um, like practice that, that we're reading about and learning about. Um, and I think there are some things, like some like three key, key things that we can learn um, from Paul and what, what he does and how he managed to make all of those disciples who then managed to tell five million people in two years about Jesus, um, both Jews and Greeks. So um, the first thing that I wanted to point out is that Paul focused, Paul focused on the people who were interested. So, like, where do you think, like, or who do you think Paul learned that from? Jesus. Okay. Where does where does Jesus teach his disciples to focus on the people who are interested? Can anyone think of? Okay, that that was one of the ones that I had written down. Oh, there we go. Okay, so you already mentioned, you guys are good. Okay, if anyone says that you're bad, you're good. Um, so Matthew 7, 6, where Jesus says, like, yeah, don't throw your pearls to, to swine. And then Luke 10. So let's turn to Luke 10. Let's read Luke 10. And it's actually Luke 10. 10 through 11, which is the specific instructions, but like all of Luke 10 is really good to read because it's Jesus instructing his disciples to go and do this kind of stuff. Um, and the specific instruction um, about focusing on on people who, who don't dislike you is, is in verse 10. So I'll read that out. Um, so it says, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, Go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. 
So um, why do you think, like this is a, a why question, why do you think that Jesus teaches his disciples and us to do that? He knows the future, okay. Does anyone else have ideas of why? Go ahead. It's more efficient, okay. Well, and the motivation is love. If we're, like, I guess pushy, it's an easy word to use for that. I want to find a better word. But, like, if we're too pushy about it, then we're not, they're not necessarily going to be able to see that God's loving us anyway. Right. It's fun. I think I think there's an answer. And actually, like, this kind of came to me. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but this was, like, while I was reading, like, and thinking about this, this came to me. In John 4, um, verse 34 through 38, if you want to turn to it, uh, I'm going to read it out. Can you put it up on the screen, Aaron? John 4, 34 through 38. I didn't tell Aaron which verses I was doing, so he's just pulling them up real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. So Jesus says to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There is yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for, et- uh, for life eternal so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap uh, that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. So I think just summarizing this passage real fast is that like God is the sower, and he is the one who is sowing seed, and when we, you know, encounter people who, you know, don't agree with us, we're still doing work, we're encountering them, and, you know, we're tilling the soil of their heart, and we're, you know, you know, pulling up the weeds and pointing out lies and stuff like that. But our goal is to look for the harvest and to keep our head up and focused on the harvest because there are people who are ripe for harvest. There are people around us who are ready and willing to come to Jesus, they just need to be asked. Whereas there are other people who are like not quite there yet, you know, and um, and our job isn't to like wait four months, you know, waiting for, for them to be ready because if we stop and wait, the harvest time might be over, you know, and there's this, I really like this picture because it's, it's a lot of fun. So um, just summarizing, so Paul leaves the synagogue, and he says, I'm going to find people who are ripe for harvest. I'm going to look for somewhere that I can go where people will welcome me and who will listen to me. And so he goes to the school of Tyrannus. Um, I think that's what we can, that's one of the things we can learn. The next thing that I think that we can learn is that uh, Paul followed what God had called him to do. So Paul followed what God had called him to do. Who knows what Paul was called to do? Okay. That's, that's right. Where do we learn what Paul is called to do? Where do we learn that, that Paul is, is called to preach to the Gentiles? <laughs> Sorry, this is a bit of a test, but I'm like asking these questions not to like 
tell you that you're doing something wrong, but like these are like key things to like know and learn so that you you can say, ah, oh, this is this is Paul's calling and I know when Paul was called and, and why he's doing what he's doing. So that's that's one one account. So Acts Acts nine um, is is the account of Paul's conversion, and then another time, um, like right at the end of or what seems like the end of the book of Acts, um, um, when Paul is talking to King Agrippa, he also like you know refreshes refreshes our memory of it. So um, I'll read Acts nine. I didn't get, like, bookmarks or pencils or anything. So um, so in Acts 9, verse 5 and 6, um, and he said, so and Paul said, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. So Paul gets up blind and walks um, to Damascus. Um, and then... Um, we hear down in verse 15 through 16 when God is talking to um, to Ananias, um, says, "But the but the Lord said to him, Go, for he is my chosen. Uh, he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake." And then we get refreshed, like of Paul's calling, like, before a king, you know, it's, we read that, and then it's like, oh, cool, like, Paul's gonna preach before kings, and then, you know, we turn to Acts 26, and Paul is now standing before a king, um, and he's recounting his testimony, and he says in verse 15, and I said, who are you, uh, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, but get up and stand on your feet, for this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive for forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So, yeah, like those verses like clearly point to, to Paul's calling. And we see him walking out this calling in this, in this section. He leaves the synagogue and he goes to this school of Tyrannus. And um, we were doing a little bit of research about like the name Tyrannus. It's a Greek name and it means uh, absolute ruler, which is probably where we get the word tyranny. Um, <laughs> but I think what's what's interesting and and definitely like uh, uh, you know uh, I'm postulating it. It doesn't say that he was definitely going like I'm leaving the gen uh, the the Jews and I'm going to the Greeks and I'm going to preach to the Greeks. But I think we can we can read this and be like, oh, you know, perhaps there's this you know. This Greek guy who, you know, is potentially like a um, ruler of sorts. He owns this school. And um, in, in doing that, Paul is kind of reaffirming his calling and saying, you know, you know I'm called to the Gentiles and I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And so um, he kind of comes back to that. 
Um, the third thing that I want to point out is um, that Paul uh, relied on God's Spirit to do the work. So Paul relied on God's Spirit to do the work. Um, when we look at verse 11, it doesn't say Paul was performing extre- extraordinary miracles. It says God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And I think um, like Luke puts that uh, like emphasis like that for a reason. He's not saying, you know, Paul was making these things happen. Um, it was God was doing this work. Um, and I think that is important because um, the way that, you know, Paul manages to make these disciples who go on to make disciples and, and spread, you know, the, the word of the Lord um, tells us something about those people. It tells us that they had faith. You know, they didn't just, you know, they weren't just like, oh, we're going to go to the school of Tyrannus, listen to this cool sounding preacher, and then continue living our lives. Like, they heard something new. They, like, it changed their life, and they went and did something really incredible. And I think that that only happens when our faith is based on God. And Paul, like, then teaches this principles, uh, this principle to uh, the Corinthians in First Corinthians two. Um, I don't want to read that. So First Corinthians two says, um, "And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified." I was with you in weakness and in trembling. Uh, oh, no, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So I think we see that in Acts 19. We see God is doing you know, extraordinary miracles through Paul, not so that Paul's this big name guy, you know, known by all of these people, but so that these, you know, these disciples, their faith would rest upon God and not on Paul. Um, Because if Paul was just some eloquent speaker, they wouldn't, they wouldn't really be like holding on to God. And so, I think when you see God doing extraordinary miracles, it really gives you something to say, wow, like I saw God do that. Um, And I think that's extremely important for us, you know, when we're we're doing ministry is that we rely upon God because he's the one who can do these miracles. We can't make them happen. Um, And so I want to like summarize like those three things that, that Paul did and that we can learn from um, is that he focused on the people that were interested, he followed what God had called him to do, and he relied on God's spirit to do the work. And kind of like as a summary of all of that, he stuck with it. He persisted for two years. He didn't give up. He stayed still, you know, um, and he stuck with it for two years. And this amazing thing happened. And so, um, yeah, that's my 
that's my charge to you guys tonight, is to focus, to follow, to rely, and to persist, you know, to not give up. So, yeah, let's go do discussions, discussions, yeah, utacornerstone.com, discussion.